We are live, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of The Shift. And as you can tell, we don't normally have guests. So when we have a guest on, it's it's pretty rare. So you know today is a very special episode. Nick Earnshaw. Nick, first off, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I've I've been waiting all week for this episode. Actually, a couple weeks. We've we've pla- we've had this plan for a little while now. Oh, uh, I missed I missed the last time Matt came on. Yeah, I was I was sick. a little under the weather. I was a little under the weather. Yeah, and, I'm I, and I'm sick. I, yeah, I'm sick right now, and I'm here. So I, I'm a man. Stronger than me. You're stronger man. than me. Yeah. I'll give you credit. I'll give yeah. you credit. Whatever. Whatever. All right. But it's glad yeah. I'm glad to have Matt We're here. here. We're excited. We're gonna talk yeah. a lot of baseball. A lot of a little bit about the Mets too. We're, we're, we're diving into enemy territory a little bit for us too, but. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another thing, I was in enemy territory. Matt will tell you. You I was literally at enemy territory Mm. this year. Just about, (laughs) what was that, a couple, two and a half months ago? Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. I I have some good things to say about City Field. I enjoyed my time there. Um, You enjoyed watching the Phillies get swept? I did too. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, What's the name? Francisco hit a couple of home runs. That's all. Yeah, I was that was that was fun. Yeah, yeah. It was, they were like the same spot too. But uh, right. yeah, no no entrance needed for Matt Musico, Mister MLB Daily Dingers. I it, we couldn't really do a proper rollout here because you're already on the screen. It's not like we you know like it did some special thing. But you don't need a special thing because you're already a special person. We already oh, well, you, you were the you were. You've been the first guest on the shift many times, uh, as we've had a couple of, you know, <laughs> shift rollouts. Yes. So, uh, Matt, first off, how are how are things going? You know, come up on the holidays here. How are you? Uh, I mean, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm I'm still here. I'm alive. Uh, holidays always are. I was telling somebody like the beginning of December, like I always forget how busy they are, and then you get to the holiday time, and you're like, "Geez, Louise, like this is ridiculous." So. I mean, it's that, that that delicate balance of super crazy and like doing all these things and like the kids have all the themes at school, which is like a little ridiculous and stuff like that. But, you know, they like to do it. Uh, and then also just trying to like take a breather and stuff too here and there. So, uh, but yeah, overall, good. Happy to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hell yeah. Are, are, the, are the kids uh, baseball fans? Um, like, yes and no. I mean, I try and like, uh, expose it to them as much as possible. Um, I think the, my younger one will, is potentially more interested in it than, than the older one is, but, um, they're both like very aware of it. Cause it's just, it's a large part of my life and my profession. So, right. um, my oldest, my oldest made a mistake. He made a mistake once he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, like, you you because he knows like i used to write for the mets and the yankees and like you know everything he's like so like you like the yankees right it's like no 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 i don't like the yankees we're mets fans in this in this house and my wife was like you've never corrected him faster than that like well it's it's an important detail we gotta make sure this is all all kosher here yeah true true uh true true mets fan true baseball fan Uh, i respect it um and that's uh that's great so you know Around the holidays now. And uh, yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about uh, first thing I want to talk about Shohei Otani's contract. Let's talk about a holiday gift uh, yeah. for Shohei Otani, sort of, because the money's deferred for 20 years down the line. Um, what I mean, Matt, are you, I mean, were the Dodgers, because me and Nick, we, we did an episode, what, two, three weeks ago now? And yeah. uh, we both predicted. 
Otani was the, the top team was was L.A. And right. I think a lot of other people's they the Dodgers were the top of their list. Uh, what I mean, are you surprised it became a Dodger? Did you think he was going to be a Yankee? Did you think he was going to be a Met? Uh, who, who was your who was your top team? You thought he was going to. I mean, I always thought along the way that he was going to end up with the Dodgers. I mean, I think that was pretty much the consensus across the board in the industry for all the all the reasons he eventually landed there. I mean, they have all the money in the world to give him, obviously. They have all – they've. I mean, they've flamed out in the postseason most of the time. But, I mean, they win every single year and they get themselves there. And he doesn't even have to move. So it's like it's like the you know all the things that he would potentially want right there. So – I'm kind of surprised that other teams, I mean, I guess really just like the, the Blue Jays were, were really a, a legitimate contender at the very end there. I'm surprised they kind of forced their way in. I mean, I don't, like when you compare the Blue Jays and the Dodgers and, and, and then his also his situation as well too, it doesn't seem like it's much of a contest in my eyes. But I mean, he seems like a respectable guy that likes to go through the process. And he it certainly seems like he enjoyed himself through the process as I would too, especially if it ended with me getting seven hundred million dollars. So, yeah, no, I, I I'm with you there. I think everyone kind of felt like the Dodgers were going to be the place he was going to end up. They had the most money. He he's still on the West Coast. It made a lot of sense. Now, Matt, I got to ask you because Francisco and I did a show, whole show on the marketing of baseball and, and its players. Now, what did you make of the secretive nature? of of kind of his free agency the way that they went about it the way his agency went about it what did you make of all that well i saw a few articles get published before the fiasco of him being on a plate and not being on a plate <laughs> yeah. where like they were saying how like this was a big missed opportunity for baseball and like and i kind of i see both sides of it i agreed with that because it's like it's kind of like when we saw like the huge free agency frenzy right before the lockout a couple years ago. Like right. that was, we knew that that had to happen because of what was coming, but it was also awesome because there was just so much activity that was going on. Lots of money was right. getting thrown left and right. Like that kind of thing was actually like great for the game before the lockout happened. And then that was terrible for the game for, for a little while. But, <laughs> um, but I agree. Like if it was a little bit more public, like, yeah, like I think that would have been, a cool thing for people to follow along with. Cause it's like, we saw everything that happened the day before he actually announced and how people were people who would probably never really talk about baseball. were talking about baseball, famous people tweeting about it or posting about it on X or whatever you want to call it. Um, like that kind of stuff that was good for the game. Like baseball was top of mind for people at the beginning of December, which is great after a lackluster winter meetings from, from a, from a activity <laughs> yeah. perspective. So but then at the same time, it's like, all right, like we already know he's a private person. That was like one of the things that was mentioned throughout this past year that he likes his privacy. So like, it's not surprising that he wanted things to be a little like hush hush. I mean, and it's his process. He gets to do it however he wants to. So like, I can see that, that aspect of it. Um, and with it being tight lips and not a lot of information getting, getting leaked out, like, you know, I guess like they got to control the narrative a lot more. I mean, he got to announce it himself, for goodness sakes. That's probably, like, exactly how he wanted to do it. So um, I do think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity. But at the same time, I mean, I think they still reaped some of the benefits from it just because of the fiasco that happened the day before. Yeah, so, I mean, but you you talk about he announced it. But he could have done a whole, like, LeBron decision type of announcement. He could have oh, he could have sat there. <laughs> I'm taking my talents to two miles away in L.A., you know, going from L.A. to L.A., Come on, that's a missed opportunity, Matt. What are we yeah, but like, about? how many people talk about the decision 
all these years later and say how much Everybody, of it was what? Yeah, hell yeah, it's a big thing. <laughs> I don't you know. know. I mean, like, it? I'm not I'm not a huge like flashy guy myself, so like I can right. kind of understand like how he went about it. Um, but I mean, I I feel like the like a decision <clears throat> a the decision style announcement would have been a little much. I think. It's not on brand for Otani, but still, no. it would have been it would have been fun. Come on, imagine Otani sitting in a chair talking to Bob Nightingale. You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, it would have been must see TV. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people would have watched it. That's for sure. Yeah, he was sitting there with his dog, with his puppy. Yeah, with decoy. Right. We finally got it. We finally got the name of the dog for once. <laughs> oh yeah, it took a while to get out of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, I want to, I want to ask about, um, so I mean, from, from what it sounds like, do you feel, cause it's been a lot of back and forth, the reactions on the contract. Is it good for baseball? Is it bad for baseball? It seems honestly like half the fans are upset about it. It seems like maybe they're just upset that Otani didn't come to their team. I'm just going to mm-hmm. be real. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the contract? Do you, all the parameters of it, everything that comes out about the deferred money. Do you think it's a, it's good or bad for baseball? I think it's good. I, I mean, I think it 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 shines a light on the possibilities. I mean, the Dodgers did nothing wrong. You know, Tani did nothing wrong. They did everything within the parameters of the CBA. I mean, it said that deferred compensation is unlimited. They can do whatever they want. Um, and with most players, like obviously, they want to get their money right now. So, which makes sense. I would also want to get like as much money as I could at that particular moment. But with someone like him, like he's making what fifty million dollars in endorsements next year, so like he, we know he doesn't need it. He already didn't need even that payday in the first place. Um, but no, I mean, I think it's good for baseball. It just shines a light on what is possible. And yes, I agree. Like people who are whining about it are probably just mad that Otani is not playing for them. Um, but also at the same time, it's like every owner could do this. Like there's no, it's it's not like even like the cheapest owners could do this. They'd probably prefer to do something like this and like defer it to a time where they can just sell the team and not be responsible for it at the same time too. So, um, I mean, for someone like Otani, like it's an extreme circumstance because of the amount of dollars that are involved and the type of player that he is. He's like a once in a generation kind of player. Um, but if a team wants to be competitive and they want to go the route of supplementing f- through free agency, but they don't really feel like they have the cash flow. So like they're the Padres, like they have a cash flow problem right now. Um, but they still want to try and put a contender on the field by making outside acquisitions. Like this is, this is a way around that. Like it it's, doesn't have to be so black and white. Um, so I think it's good for baseball just because it shines a light on what some owners are just not willing to do. But then at the same time, if Steve Cohen did something like this, you know, like there would be a rush to the table to like make some other kind of like new rule about it, about the, that they can't do it this way. But um, that's probably me just being a little bit salty, I guess. I got to ask. So we just did our, our free agency lineup, our best free agent contracts of all time, like best free agent signings. What would a successful Otani contract look like or what would a failure look like going forward throughout the rest of his career? Well, I think they're just going to – they want to measure it by how many World Series they're going to win. Yeah. I think that's that seems to be, like, the bottom line. I mean, that's why he's only making $2 million a year. So, I feel like if they don't win – they got to win multiple. Yeah. Like, is multiple – like, is it a failure if they don't get one? He gets multiple MVPs. He has all the 
he gets the accolades himself, but if they don't win one, two, three, four World Series, I mean, is that kind of a failure? Yeah, I mean, probably in their eyes, yeah. I mean, yeah. they, you know, like how they pitched it to him while they were trying to court him. I mean, they've, they've made the playoffs each of the last 10 years. They won one World Series in a shortened year, so that's a failure to them. So, I mean, I feel like they got at least – I feel like at least three has to – wow. I feel like that's got to be like the – like the bar I, that, that would be in my eyes at least like in three out of 10, like you're still failing 70% of the time in their yeah. eyes. But at the same time, I mean, it's already a success probably from a financial perspective for the Dodgers uh, because of all the, all the jerseys being bought and the tickets being bought and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, ticket prices are getting hiked up and everything like that. So, I mean, I think from, from a non-baseball perspective, it's going to be an easy win for them because uh, they can easily, afford that kind of money, which is ridiculous to say, but it, it, but it's true. Um, but yeah, I feel like if I had to set like an over under for like a failure success to his contract, I'd probably put it at three world series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know though. Cause like it, that, that's the one thing that I, I, I was concerned about when he, when he got the contract was what are they expecting to get from? Because if you're giving a guy, I know it's all of it's deferred, but let's just say, generally speaking, $700 million, he's getting that to be the player that he's been the last three years. And generally speaking, when healthy, mm. I, I understand the World Series thing. But I mean, if Otani does his thing, I mean, if you, if you get like four to five years out of, you know, doing what he's done pitching. the last, yeah, I, I yeah. think that's a success. Yeah, yeah but he's not even pitching this year. He's not even pitching this year. So that's already right. one year out the window where he's not right. even going to compete for Cy Young. So, that, I mean, that's why they go out and get a Tyler Glass yeah. now, right? And, so. and, and glass, is Glass not even going to be enough because he's, <laughs> the guy, guy can't stay healthy either. So, I mean, I don't know, man. The Dodgers might not might, might not win another World Series ever. I don't know. The Mickey Mouse, the Mickey Mouse might be it, dude. It might be it. It might be it. Um, yeah. Nick, did you have any other questions on this? No, I'm, I'm good on Otani. All right, well, we'll leave on the Mickey Mouse World Series being the only one <laughs> the Dodgers will ever win ever again. Uh, let's transition from one, uh, you know, mediocre franchise. I don't care how many games they've won over the last ten years, to to another mediocre franchise, the New York Mets. Mm. Uh, Matt Musico, I know, you know, everyone knows you're a Mets fan, so whatever. Um, <laughs> What, what, uh, what? So, I, we're going to start off with the Yamamoto stuff because honestly, selfishly, Matt, I want him as a Philly. So, of course, I Ooh. hope you don't get him as a Met, yeah. but realistically, he's not coming to the Phillies, even though they had a meeting with him. He's not going to come to the Phillies. Mm-hmm. But what are the chances he becomes a Met? Because did he, did he meet with the Mets second time today? Right, number two. Yeah, I think it was. It was. Uh, they had dinner at Cohen's house this week. I think it was. Yeah, I think they had a dinner yesterday. It was like, or within the last couple of days, something like that. Um, so they, so Cohen and Stearns flew out to Japan for winter meetings to meet with them, which no, I don't think anybody else did. Wow. And then you know, instead of just meeting him at City Field, Cohen just brought him to his house. Who knows what they what they had? I want to know what they ate. But, um, <laughs> but I feel like the longer this drags on, the more the more it potentially plays into the Mets' hands. And I think Jerry Blevin said it on on uh, on Twitter today, and I agreed with him. Because it's like, you know, it seems like there are certain things that are important to Yamamoto 
based off of what people have been reporting, the big market, the prestige of like the history of an organization, things like that. He's got that with like Red Sox, Yankees and Dodgers. So like, I mean, if he really just wanted to pick between those three, he could do whatever he wanted between those three, probably. Um, But the Mets knew that they were probably coming in as the underdog here. And like, obviously with Cohen's Mets, like anything is possible these days. Uh, I mean, especially in the off season, not necessarily during the season, as we can see. But um, th- it seems as if he knows how to sweet talk these guys and like wine and dine them because like he's done it a few times uh, already. So um, and the fact that he's still I think he came over, I think I think wasn't Yamamoto in Los Angeles because like the Yankees went to the West Coast to meet with him and he was just like based up in, on the West Coast. So the fact that he came across country to go meet with him uh, and have dinner, I think that's that's a good sign. Um, I think the Mets would still have to come in and be like an overwhelming favorite from a uh, from an offer perspective because I don't think there's been any formal offer just yet. But the longer that it drags out, and the more that he gets to consider it, and the more that they get to be in his ear, I think it's that's a positive for them. Oh, when you know when it comes to the to the Mets, and yes, they're going to go after the big names in Yamamoto. They did the same thing last year, and we saw how it panned out. Um, they had to move on from a couple of big name pitchers uh, during the season, Matt. And um, I just got to ask, like going forward, what, what is the confidence? Like, what's the feeling from the Mets fan base right now on the direction of this team? Like, where do you feel like they're at right now heading into next season? The fan base? Yeah. I don't think you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with every, I mean, because of this precedent of Cohen being the richest owner in baseball, you yeah. should be able to, to, just get whatever player that he wants. Like he should have gotten Otani. He should have gotten Soto, but like in reality, like neither one of those guys fit for multiple reasons. Like Otani just didn't want to come to New York, which makes sense. It's not for everybody. Um, With regard to Soto, like they, the Yankees give up a lot of, just a lot of players who knows how they're all going to pan out, but just, they give up a lot of people for potentially just one year. And then that's just restocked their farm system. They're not going to do something like that. So I think uh, people are just kind of like, they're just starved for some kind of like sustained success, but they don't want to wait for it, <laughs> which makes sense uh, because it's been, you know, like the, what was it? 2015, 2016 was only the second time in franchise history. The Mets have gone to the postseason in, in consecutive years. So it's like, we usually have like a postseason birth and then like nine or 10 <laughs> years of nothing. And then another one, and then they get close, and then you know, another nine or ten years. That that's kind of like the uh, from like the late nineties to then yeah. two thousand six, and then twenty fifteen, and then twenty twenty two. Like that's kind of like been what it's been like. So right. people are just like really starved to like have some kind of optimism. Uh, and like at this point in the calendar year, like we saw last year with them making all the moves for Nimmo and Diaz and Verlander and Senga, like that got everyone excited and thinking like, all right, like now we're gonna like get going. So watching those bigger guys come off the board and then seeing Stearns do a lot of a lot of the depth signings that he's done, it gives it gives people agita. But also it's like we need to have an entire roster. Like he's got I think he had like 15 spots open on the 40 man roster or something by the time he was done with like the non-tender deadline and stuff like that. So there's a lot of work to fill out this entire roster. And I think a lot of what the Mets are going to do the rest of this winter and also in 2024 is going to depend on what Yamamoto decides to do. Uh, it's not like, and I think Will Salmon of The Athletic had had a report the other day on it. 
because we heard other rumors saying that if they miss out on Yamamoto, they're gonna they're gonna um, pivot to Snell or Montgomery. And Salmon is saying that that's probably not gonna happen, and which makes sense. Like Yamamoto is that unique case, which we all know he's he's an ace, he's a potential frontline starter. He's only twenty five, so that's where that's how they're justifying the number of years and money that they'd be willing to commit to this guy. But they're going to be perfectly happy with just kind of pocketing that money and then doing and then going after a much stronger overall free agent class next year, and just fill out fill out the holes that they have with more like mid tier or lower tier type of things, which I think is fine. Uh, and I think Stearns is like the perfect kind of person to be able to figure that out. Like he's got the small market mindset, but now he's got a, a, a really really deep pocket. Um, so. I think uh, a lot of people are waiting with bated breath as with regard to what Yamamoto is, is going to do. And I think if he signs somewhere else, which is, you know, at this point, probably more likely than him signing with the Mets, just based off of the odds. Um, I'm sure Mets Twitter will just be in shambles for a little while, which, <laughs> which makes sense. It's just going to be like another, like, you know, dagger. Um, but we'll One see. Of like I mean, a thousand daggers. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a very dark place on the internet that I try and avoid when bad things happen. <laughs> it's I mean, dude, it's the Nick Nick will speak to this too. Like it's the same place here yeah. in Philadelphia. It's, yeah. it's yeah. bad. We yo, I, I'll I'll give you an example. I just saw uh saw this tweet from right after Lorenzen threw the no hitter. Everyone mm-hmm. was the everyone wanted Lorenzen. As a uh, as the number two behind Wheeler, yeah, and as Nola a starter not, in the playoffs, Nola not even on the postseason roster. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, and we, we I mean, yeah, how, I feel like Nola's you know, a special case. He's got there's like a complicated relationship between Nola and, and the fan yeah. base and how they view him. It was the same <laughs> with Reese Hoskins for onto eternity because yeah. he's yes. going to be there for a while, seven yep. years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other question I had for you on the Mets. So you mentioned the young crop, and you know, unfortunately, I had to see. Some of the young crop hit some bombs when I was there against the Phillies with Francisco Alvarez. But they have no, they do have a lot of young talent there in Brett Beatty and Alvarez. And uh, did Mauricio just get hurt? Did I did he get his towards ACL? Yeah, that's unfortunate. That sucks. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you know, hopefully Mauricio comes back and he's you know, supposed to be a supposed to be somebody for the future for the Mets. Um, so you know, they, there's three guys. I feel like I'm missing somebody else. You probably could tell me in a second, but what what are your thoughts on the 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 future for the young the young players for the Mets? Well, I think it looks bright. I mean, they already had like a pretty good position player nucleus, and I mean, 2023 was the year where nothing went right all at the same time. They would hit, and they had no pitching. They would pitch, and they they wouldn't hit at all. They the starter would finally go deep into a game. And they wouldn't be able to hit, or they got deep into a game, had a lead, and then they would cough up the lead. Um, it seemed as if, like, for the most most of the time in 2022, everything was going right, and then in 2023 it was the complete opposite. So I think when you have guys like Nimmo and Lindor and Alonzo and McNeil, kind of like being that like young position player nucleus, I think that's that's a really really good nucleus to have. And then being able to add in someone like Alvarez, who uh, had his struggles last year, but he he had way more flashes to, for people to feel confident that he's the, he's going to be the guy moving forward for sure. So um, it's going to just take it's just going to take being able to figure out you know who's going to be like those right veterans to kind of like plug in uh, and and you know kind of like make this team more of a whole team. And they they really like to have a lot of 
positional flexibility and depth on the roster, but it ended up they didn't really have very much depth at the end of the day uh, this past year. So I think that's probably something that Stearns is really focusing on a lot, which they really, really need. So, I mean, I feel confident in, in, in the overall direction of the Mets and the young players that they have on the roster and also just like the the future itself, just because we know that if they really want to hold on to a player, they can and in the Wilpon era, that was not the case, uh, where they let Wheeler walk for 120. What was it? 120 million dollars or whatever it was. We love like that's. It. I mean, it's not like this. No, that's nothing. But in the grand scheme of things, for the amount of production he's he's given the Phillies, like that's just like a drop in the bucket for the value that he's provided. So I, I gotta ask because you, you bring up players that you'd want to keep the contract extension with Pete Alonso. Um, what's the situation like there? And do you think he will stay a Met for the rest of his career? I would honestly be shocked if he's not a Met. I mean, he showed up to a Rangers game this offseason with a New Yorker nowhere shirt on. Like, he <laughs> loves being in New York. And he's one of the few people who can deal with all the pressure and perform at an elite level for a prolonged period of time. I mean, even he's only been around since 2019. There's already never been a power hitter uh that's played for the Mets like Pete Alonso. Uh no one has had multiple 40 home run seasons. I think he's had three now. No one else has had uh multiple 120 RBI seasons. He's had two. Um so I mean I know he just I don't know Pete, obviously, but just kind of like <laughs> getting a sense of his personality, it yeah. seems like he would generally like to be um a Met for a long time. And like he'd be the, the all-time home run leader probably like within the next like year plus the, based on the the um, the pace he's put himself on. But now, of course, you know, Scott Boris is his agent, but Scott has made it very obvious that they're open to talking about it. I just think for right now, it's just not the time of the year that extension talks are really going to like ramp up right now. I mean, Stearns has got to fill out the roster. They got a lot of holes to fill. Um, I feel like once they get to maybe like end of January, February, and the reporting of spring training, I feel like that's when we'll hear more news about it. Um, I think it would be in their best interest just to get it done before opening day because they're going to have to just talk about it the entire year, and that wouldn't be good for anybody. So um, I would be really shocked if he gets traded or walks via free agency thing or something like that. It just it seems like he's perfect for New York, and he is very clearly the um, the engine that revs this offense. Like Lindor is great, but if you don't have Pete in the lineup, like who, who's going to drive people in? Who's right. going to hit the home? He's the only premier power hitter. Like those guys don't grow on trees. So like they need to have someone like him in that lineup to anchor it for the next, you know, if, if they're planning, even if this next year was going to be a transitory year, like they were saying initially, like if you think you're going to be competitive in 2025 or 2026, like he's going to be, what maybe I don't know how old he is right now, but like 29, 30, 31, like still plenty, uh, plenty productive probably to be a key piece to a championship team potentially. 29 years old. Yeah. So he's 29. So he'll still be in, in his prime years. And I, it, it would make, it just makes too much sense for him to stay in Matt. I, I can't see them letting him go. I just can't see it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, our boy Bob Nightingale is the one that I felt like really was running with that more than anything else. And, 
I feel like what I love about Bob is that like when he writes certain things, like you can you can tell when he's like legit yeah. sourcing something and when he's just like stating his opinion. Yep. And, so, and sometimes like people just kind of like state like think it's just a report, but it's like I think this is Bob's opinion here. Like yeah. he just what thinks about he's going to be gone, and it's like it's just his opinion. I'm like, like yes, like. Of course yeah. he could be gone. And like at the trade deadline, yes, he yep. was one of the people that they were that they quote unquote made available. But it's like they're doing their job. It doesn't mean they actually want to trade him. I mean, if they got an offer they couldn't refuse, then okay, fine. I guess they talk about it. But right. um, if you want to see Mets Twitter really go into a tailspin, I think it would be seeing <laughs> Pete Alonso get traded. I think that, that would really do it. I, I, honestly, I would love the chaos. Uh, in my just personal opinion, the I'm chaos is I always. I don't like chaos. Great. We could do like something else. Some other kind of chaos would be good. <laughs> All right, well, shall we move on to the National League East? Uh, so, Matt, you know, not a lot has – not a whole lot. Obviously, the Otani deal, we get the you get the glass now trade. You get the Soto trade. Uh, the Royals are doing some stuff, which is – it's cute. Well, the it's weird. Cute, you know, it's, it's a little weird, but um, not too much has happened. Uh, is there anything that has impressed you? Is I mean, what do you think about the NOLA deal? We're just talking about the National League East. What do you think mm. of the Severino deal to the Mets? Well, I mean, that's something we didn't bring up on the Mets topic here. Mm. Um, I don't know. What are your general thoughts on the, what what uh, you know any of these teams have done in the National League East during the winter winter so far? I mean, it's kind of just like status quo for the most part. I mean, the, I mean, if the Marlins don't replace Soler, they're getting worse. I mean, they haven't really done anything of significance that I can think of yet. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean. I, I was kind of surprised at the initial numbers of the Nola deal, but I mean, at this, I think it was more so the, I think the years that surprised me than than the dollars it was. But, um, but I feel like the hierarchy is still pretty much the same. I mean, obviously it's the Braves, and then I feel like the Phillies are pretty much next. Because I mean, outside of, they haven't made any like legitimate additions, right? They're pretty much the same team they were that they ended the season with, right? It's literally the yeah. same team. Other than Craig Kimbrell, he's an he's an Oriole now. That's that's pretty All much right, the that's, only, that might be addition by subtraction, but <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I I feel like that hierarchy is still the same for the most part. I mean, I feel, I mean, I would put the Mets like you know probably definitely like very firmly third behind those two. Um, and then like probably like neck and neck with the Marlins right now, just based off of last year's performance. And then the Nats are the Nats, but, um, <laughs> but I mean the, the, the savvy deal, I mean, was, I was just kind of surprised that he got 13 million because like you think about the kind of year he had abbreviated really, really bad for a long period of time and you get $13 million out of it. I'm like, yeah, that's sounds like a great, this sounds like a great career choice. This is awesome. <laughs> but then again, it's like, that's the going rate for like, you know, like mid tier, uh, starting pitchers and stuff like that. So for the Mets, that's a drop in the bucket. And it's only one year. Like he's proven he could, be, he could have, uh, he could be really productive uh, if he gets his form back and stuff. And maybe a change of scenery does it while still being in familiar surroundings of New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, like nothing's, like you said, like nothing's really happened yet. This like Otani was a big log jam with, with the hitting market and Yamamoto is a big log jam with the pitching market. So like uh, at least we got one of the two to move first, but then still nothing's really happened. I mean, I wouldn't really call Hunter Renfro like a really uh, exciting <laughs> like thing that like would get me excited in the middle of December about baseball. So no. all, all the power to him. I wish yeah. him the best. Hey, but. your boy, your boy Seth Lugo to the Royals too. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I, I wouldn't have minded seeing the Mets bring him back. I mean, he proved that he could he could start, which he's been trying yeah. trying to prove. Like, he is a solid, like, back-end starter. Like, every, every team needs that. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, nothing's really changed. I feel like just, like, the Braves are making weird deals. They're just, like, acquiring players and paying for them and then shipping other players out that they just acquired. Maybe the Braves so. are falling off. <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. I don't think you know, I think we're, I think we all want to see that. Yeah. yeah Look I at do. us coming together. Coming together as one unit, seeing the Braves start start to, to fall down. But yep. I do want to kind of go on a historical perspective. I know Francisco is going to have another question about the Hall of Fame in a little bit. But as a Mets fan, how much Chase Sully's getting a lot of love on these early ballots that are, that are coming out, Matt? How, how does that, how does it make you feel compared to David to, Wright? Seeing, seeing Chase Utley getting all this love as these early ballots come out, his first year, first year making it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he's got the. If you had a vote, when would you say. vote for? Would you would would you ever vote for for Chase Utley if you had a vote on the ballot? Um, I, I would not vote for him until Jeff Kent was in. I feel like Jeff Kent okay. needs to, I mean, and I think he's like, if we want to compare Utley yeah. and right, like, I feel like Utley is getting more of the love probably based on the position. Like right. I can, I can, I can understand why he's getting more attention. Like, and he's also had the postseason success that Wright didn't have as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those things come into play, uh, and I mean, obviously, in Wright's career got got shortened because of his injury and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not surprised by it. I don't necessarily think he's a Hall of Famer. But I mean, I if he, I mean, he's not going to get in this year. I don't think if he gets in like within like six, seven years, like I mean, I I think that would probably check yeah. out. That would that would make sense to me. Mm. Well, uh, that's about all I have to say about him. I can't, I can't have anything else. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, well, (laughs) we'll, I'll get to somebody else in just a second. Let's stay on the hall of fame. Somebody who was a Philly and a Met. I mean, he was 68% on the ballot last year. I mean, pretty close. Could be close this year. Billy Wagner, Matt. Do you you like Wagner to get in the hall? Yeah, I think, I think this is the year for him. I mean, Mm -hmm. and it's like we've seen we've seen it happen with other guys in recent years, and this is like one of the beautiful things about social media. You got guys like Larry Walker and Tim Raines, and I guess really like Scott Rowland too. And there's another one that oh Edgar Martinez. Like you know these guys that are like for most of those guys are getting in like towards the end of their their ten year run, like because there's been so much more awareness like brought about about how good these guys actually are. And I think I can't remember what Wagner started off at, but I feel like it was single digits or something like that. Like his first year on the ballot. Yeah. I think so. or whatever yeah. it was, it was, it was really low and he's really gained a lot of steam, but I mean like, sure. He's not Mariano Rivera, but like he, he was a really, really good reliever for a really long time. And like you guys saw it. I saw it. He was really good on the Astros. So it's like, he had that longevity too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and- he deserves it. Yeah, and I think you mentioned something there too, like about Mariano. Like there, I think a part of that is like, and I I, I get it, but like there aren't many relievers in the hall, so I think that right. you know can, can go against the guy, which I, I I get, but you know, I think I think Wagner is deserving. Uh, one more thing before we get to our all time Mets team, right. um, give us some some uh, you know some nice words here on Cole Hamels as he's uh, officially <laughs> retiring. 
uh, this year in 2024 with the Phillies? Well, I will say. <laughs> We're making him say nice things about Utley, Hamels. This is He's never coming back. I'm going to have to create my own podcast and make you guys come on and do this. I, um, go ahead. I, I do remember, like, right before – I can't remember where he got traded to. Did he get, did the Phillies trade him to the Cubs or was it somewhere else? He did, he did go to the Cubs eventually, but it, it was the Rangers before that. Yep, Rangers All right, well, wherever Cubs. they traded – like, he didn't yep. – like, wasn't, like, his last start as a Philly, the no-hitter at Wrigley? Yeah, it was against the Cubs. That was against, okay, it was against yeah. the Cubs. Yeah. That's what I'm yep. thinking of. Um, like, that's a pretty baller way to go out. Of like of your tenure with the team after like winning a World Series and like you know being an ace for a number of years and things like that, um, so that's great for him. I'm glad he gets, <laughs> gets to have the ending that he wants. Wait, wait, what about the 08 World Series MVP? What about all that stuff? I don't recall that. The 07, the 07 Phillies, the 08 Phillies, all those great uh, Phillies teams that overtook the Mets. I mean, how uh, did he perform years. against the Mets? Do you guys have his his page up? I can I look. To... I can look right now. I'm looking on Baseball Reference right now. Give me. I feel like, like I feel like the Mets second. probably like. I don't think he dominated them like from start to finish. I don't. I think. know what Philly dominated the Mets start to finish. Ryan freaking Howard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think they hit back to one against the Mets, and then like it was just like downhill from there. All right, I'm looking. I'm looking right now. Uh, numbers against the Mets. That's batting average. Opponent game level. Here it is. Uh, he has 389 ERA, 212 innings overall. So, you know, solid numbers. Not yeah, bad. yeah. Nothing crazy. Nothing we can, like, go back and forth on really. Too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So – Let's uh let's 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 close out the show. Yeah, let's be let's be done with that, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well look, we're we're giving it to you on a good note, right? We're gonna talk yeah, about we're the Mets. At, yeah. We talked about the Mets a lot. We had to we had to throw some daggers. That's yeah, bad. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so let's do uh Nick, let's do our yeah. all time, and we're including Matt uh as as our guest, mm-hmm. um, and him being a Mets fan, a lifelong Mets fan. So I'm curious to hear his all-time Mets team, but we're going to go in order here. Nick, I want you to go first. I'll go second, and then Matt will go third. We will give one through nine. Are we doing a DH? I don't even know uh, we asked. I'll throw Did one in there. Do a DH batter now? I didn't, but I could put one on. All right, we'll I'll do throw a DH. One in there. I'll okay. throw one in there. All right, so I'll start. Uh, catcher, I had to go Mike Piazza. I think that was that was pretty self-explanatory right there. Uh, Keith Hernandez, first base for me. Uh Best thing I know about Keith Hernandez, man, when he was when he was in Seinfeld, it was just one of the best episodes of that's Seinfeld our, ever. It was that's awesome. Knows. That's how he ended up on your team. Yeah, that's how he ended up on my team. He was, in he was in my he was in my top. Listen, he's in my top TV show of all time. I'll, I'll give a little bit of respect to Keith. I'll give a little bit of respect. Seinfeld's uh, overrated, by the way. It's not a good show. It's not. It's, it's, not, it's, not it's just a bad take. Uh, Edgardo Alfonso, I had him at second base. Third base, I went David Wright. Shortstop, Jose Reyes. Left field, well, outfield. I just kind of went outfield. General, Daryl Strawberry. Carlos Beltran, my favorite. Uh, what is it? Right around July 4th. Uh, Bobby Bonilla, had had to add him in there. I wanted to add him in there just because it's, it's a yearly thing. We get we get a Bobby I thought Bonilla you were going to go Dykstra. <laughs> no, I went I, Bobby Bonilla. I, I, no, because before <laughs> the show started, you said I had a crazy outfielder. I thought you meant Dykstra. No, 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 not Dykstra. I didn't go Dykstra. Not, no, I went Bobby Bonilla. Just like He's got his own crazy. day. <laughs> He's got his own right. day. He's in my lineup. 
So I'll give him that. And then starting pitcher, Tom Seaver. And then DH, I went Gary Carter. Okay. Do you have a closer? Yeah, Billy Wagner. Okay. All right. Cool. Yep. There we go. All right. Uh, we generally agree. Uh, I went Piazza. <laughs> I went Keith Hernandez. Agarlo Alfonso. Jose Reyes, my shortstop. David Wright, my third baseman. Beltran. Uh, future Hall of Famer, by the way. Uh, yeah. Daryl Strawberry. And Dave Kingman. Boom. <laughs> dingers. He had freaking MLB Daily Dingers. Shout out to the great page that our guest is on right now. Nice. Um, yes, Dave Kingman was my outfielder, my last outfielder. And then I went Seaver. I went John Franco as my closer. And DH Pete Alonzo. So there is my there's my nice. squad. Matt Musico, the floor is yours. Well, I mean, we agree on a lot. And I said this before we hopped on the show. I feel like there's there was a bunch that's like pretty like cut and dry for the most part. Right. Um, so I mean, catcher, Piazza, obviously. I mean, before Alonzo started doing the things he was doing with home runs, Piazza was the one doing it. Um, Keith is my first baseman. Agarro Alfonso is also my second baseman. Jose Reyes is my shortstop. David Wright is my third baseman. Uh, my outfield, I actually I I split them up by position. So I had uh, Strawberry in right, Beltron in center. I put Cespedes in left, which was my ah interesting. Yeah. I so I mean, I, yeah. what I thought was interesting, I mean, like obviously when he actually played, the Mets won before, like especially before, uh, like right. he got like hurt for a pro- extended period of time and tackle the pig or a boar or whatever he did. Who knows? <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting was like um, I was looking at like the, the left field franchise leaderboard on fan graphs for Mets. And he was still, he was in the top 10 in F4, but he had, he played only like 318 games. And like the next lowest one was like, I think like around 400. And so, I mean, for the amount of time he actually was on the field for the Mets, he was incredibly productive, and I miss him dearly. So there's also that, too. Um, yeah, so that's my outfield. My DH will be Carlos Delgado. Because Ooh, that, that's, a good, that's a good take. Go I respect that. Um, starting pitcher, I had to go Seaver. I mean, there's really no way around it. I did kind of, like, toss around my head a little bit with, with Gooden. But, I mean, just the longevity of Seaver outweighs anything else that anyone has done on the mound for the Mets. Um, and then my closer, I put in Edwin, just because mm. I feel like he, he's already like one of like the top five relievers in Mets history when it comes to like advanced metrics and stuff like that. Um, and I also try and think of I before I before I actually decide on Edwin when I was walking around this week thinking about it, I was like I'm probably going to put Wagner down, um, mostly because for, when it comes to Mets closers, they usually make you go for your lungs. Uh, so like my, my barometer when it comes to Mets closers that I like are the ones that don't make me nervous a lot. Uh, and I never, I never felt super nervous with Wagner, especially after the people who came before him, it was like end of career, Johnny Franco, and then Armando Benitez and Braden Looper and like those types of Braden Looper. What a name. Go ahead. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So like when he came, I was like, oh, wow. Like the ninth inning is pretty much accounted for, but with Edwin, it's like, you have all the strikeouts. You have the trumpets, which plays a part. He right, can sure. lock down the ninth. He can come in in the sixth and do it. He can come in for more than three outs. So, like, I, I mean, I feel like he's already one of the best in Mets history. And as long as he stays healthy, I feel like he will be the best one, you know, within the next few years from from a statistics standpoint. Yeah, I mean, also as a baseball fan, I, I definitely wish uh, 
Edwin, you know, good health going forward. Cause he's, yeah. again, as a baseball fan, as a Phillies fan, I hated <laughs> watching that combined no hitters, by the way, combined no hitters are stupid. They're not even. Real. <laughs> um, well, it's real but, uh, enough as it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm not wanting, that's a whole other tangent, but uh, you go another anyway, 45 with that. <laughs> yeah. And so no, Edwin's nasty to watch. I love yeah, watching yeah. this fastball slider combo. Like when he's on, he's, he's one of the best in, you know, it's him and Hater maybe. That's pretty much it. So uh yeah, I like I like your uh I like I definitely like the Delgado. Yeah, oh, that was a that was a very one. I was thinking about I don't know why I didn't want to put Keith Hernandez in there because he's like <laughs> kind of boring. Like I get it, he's a great like defensive first baseman and he's a great he's a very good contact guy, gets on base, <laughs> but I need some power, man. I actually kind of yeah. like Carlos Delgado a little bit. I was thinking about it, but you know, Keith Hernandez. It's a little boring. That's all. It's a little boring. I you like. You don't like defense, right? Is that the is that the deal? You don't like defense. I, I like defense <laughs> when it's guys like Aaron Rowan and guys like Andy. Even Andy Chavez's catch. You know, he sense. doesn't like defense, Matt. He doesn't like defense. That's, that's the have whole you seen Keith Hernandez charge a bunt? Come on, that doesn't get you excited. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, watch it in black and white when he played. Right, like ninety years ago. Yeah, so much fun. Well, he's a Seinfeld show. hater too, so he, he's he's not getting the fun side of Keith. Boring. So I, boring. You know, I, it's a good point. Boring. All right. Well, uh, Matt, that was uh, that was fun, man. I'm just glad you uh, glad you glad you came on. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys being able to fit me in. I uh, I had a lot of fun, and it's always nice to, ch- to chat with you guys. Heck yeah. Well, yeah, it was great, Matt. It was great. It was great meeting you this time. Thank God I wasn't wasn't on the bed this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'm glad you were able to make it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, Mr. MLB, Mr. MLB ambassador, tell us all about MLB Daily Diggers. What's up with it? You're always posting. What's going on? Is the website still active? Just give me give me the whole rundown. What's going on? MLB Daily Diggers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we're still. I mean, it's the off season, but the the dingers never die. So, I mean, we're always posting at least three a day on Twitter and then like doing something, something every day on Instagram as well, too. Um, But yeah, it kind of just like helps keep me occupied throughout the winter because like I just like most of us, like I just miss baseball. So like it's nice to be able to kind of get a glimpse of it throughout, you know, the cold days and the the uh, the sun going down early and all that kind of stuff. But the the uh, the website's still active. Um, working on putting a, a lot of good content on there before next season hits. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, right now, what am I working on? Uh, doing like positional uh, single season home run leaderboards for each team. So, you know, just I just did the Phillies the other day, actually. Uh, just, you know, most home runs in a season at each position. Uh, almost done with that. Also doing a single season RBI leaders for each team, kind of like branching out a little bit to things that, that, that are kind of directly related to home runs. So, um, you know, uh, helping, help, trying to help people with the Immaculate Grid as much as I can, pretty much, you know? Ah. Are you a regular Immaculate Grid guy? Yeah. I mean, I check it, I check it every day. I don't always do it. Right. Um, but I'll at least like check and see what the categories are. Uh, uh and, uh, I, I mean, I feel like, uh, I thought I would be better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh i feel like my my like 1990s early 2000s baseball knowledge is on point but then beyond that like when it comes to uh players on what teams like that that kind of that trips me up a little bit but my favorite is when they have just all accomplishments on it like i i like being able to figure that out 
Cool. Cool. All right. Where can they find you on social? Uh, find me at mmusico8 and MLB Daily Dangers is at MLB Daily Dangers. Cool. Matt, awesome. it has been a pleasure. Obviously, uh, not the last time we'll be on here. So we'll look forward to having you on soon to preview the Mets, possibly, you know, Mets third place finish going into 2024. <laughs> so i will be looking i would be looking forward to that and i'll try and find some nicer things to say about some phillies i guess but i probably won't thank you well we will have you on like the day before the whatever date it is that cole hamels is retiring we're gonna have you on like the day of to make make sure you have like a speech prepared and all that we'll do a live reaction live reaction how about that during the the like like those like instagram videos where like you know like the uh mad italians are like watching people like make sauce out of a can and stuff like that that'll be me with cole hamels okay all right well that is matt musico nick earnshaw what an episode uh so great episode fantastic that's gonna do it for us episode 38 of the shift we will talk to you guys soon we're out